Let's walk over. So we're still just on pasture at the moment. And so these rows here, you can see are marked with all our little labels. That's the start of the garlic. On a long dirt road in the southern tablelands of New South Wales, there's a tiny sign to Willowgate Farm. The miniature sign is fitting because the farm itself looks about the size of a big backyard. But Liam and Therese have found a way to make their organic garlic farm work. Hi, I'm Therese Thomas. I'm 34. And I'm Liam Thomas, and I'm 36. And we are the owners and farmers of Willowgate Farm, where we grow organic certified garlic. Oh, in the southern tablelands. Okay, no, we'll try it again. In, are we in Bungonia or in the southern tablelands? But it could be like a little plug, like Bungonia. Ever heard of it? <laughs> for us, it was sort of born from our love for the outdoors. So when we lived in Sydney, we were basically spending our spare time just getting away from Sydney, doing a lot of camping. And that grew into wanting to move out and move into the country. We genuinely didn't know the first thing about agriculture. The, the most I think we knew was from driving, you know, out to a new camp spot, seeing cattle and livestock uh, in behind fences and gates. And that was pretty much it. I didn't even understand totally what agriculture encompassed. Like to me, it was like working in the country. What could that mean? Yeah, it's actually so funny to, to look back at that from where we are now and go, gosh, like we really started with nothing. We feel like we've come so far, only just scratched the surface. I'm Sam Loy and welcome to Propagate, the show for young farmers and fishers. This season, we're looking at farmers who run value-add businesses, a generation of growers focused on sustainability, regenerative land management, and closing the gap between producers and consumers. In this episode of Propagate, you're meeting Liam and Therese from Willowgate Farm. They own a certified organic property in the southern tablelands of New South Wales, but they're not originally from this part of the world. Liam and Therese grew up in Sydney, Essentially, whilst I was at uni, I took any job, literally any job that came up and made a few like social life sacrifices and worked quite hard. And I saved up a 20% deposit for an apartment, which we bought about six years ago now. If you can get your foot in the door with a property that you can afford and that, you know, if you could rent that out and, and it pays itself off and it's, it's an affordable thing to pay off, give it a couple of years, hopefully you've got enough growth there to then use it as equity. And in that, that's what we did. Every weekend for probably the better part of 18 months were on the road, getting out of Sydney, going out, looking at properties that were on the market. We had a pretty strict criteria. Two hours within Sydney, we wanted a water licence, a creek and a bore. We didn't understand enough about farming to really know how important those things were, but really happy that was our criteria. And this actually turned out to be the only property that ticked all those boxes. It was a bit harder than when we bought the apartment because, you know, there, there weren't many sales in the area. So the valuation, they had to come out and actually physically walk around the place before we bought it, getting all the, ticking all those boxes, ensuring that the 
the value was there so that if they had to sell it off, then obviously there's a value there. So the deposit for the farm was a 20% deposit. So because of the size of our farm being quite small, it was just a normal loan, like a normal home loan. And so the equity from the previous property covered that 20%. So essentially it was just like a brand new loan. We were lucky because the alternative is that you, you have to apply for a business loan. So a business loan, will you find that you need something more like 40 or 50% equity. So the conditions of the loan for this farm were literally just normal home loan conditions. So the, the bank wasn't interested at all in where the money comes from other than just from our, ourselves and off-farm income in paying back that loan. So what that means is they didn't look at our business at all. Just for this property in particular, we did actually buy a house that's half built. And so that did make it a little bit more tricky because it made it hard for the bank to consider a rental income from this property. Quite an easy way to get a loan is you say, I'm going to buy this property and rent it out. And they take that into consideration. That was a bit tricky because the house is not finished. We don't have railings around the balcony. So we did have to come up with a little extra deposit in cash just to show them that we have this here and we can get the house up to spec. When we bought the property, we actually used every single dollar we had and we committed. That initial commitment took a little while to to really sink in, but it was everything we had because that's what we wanted and we knew we wanted that. So <laughs> we put everything on the line. That was the risk we took. We aren't risk adverse. We, we, I wouldn't say that. I think we're, you know, probably like taking on a bit of risk in our lives. And this was, yeah, the biggest risk we've taken and we put everything into it. The reason Liam decided to dive in head first, but there was only one problem. They hadn't decided what to farm yet. All we knew was that we wanted to make money off the land. And the way that we came to garlic actually was literally a trial veggie patch where we trialed every single vegetable that we knew of at different times of the year in different varieties to see what worked and what didn't. And literally garlic was the only thing that we could keep alive. In addition to garlic thriving here, it also worked for us given how small our property is. So we could never do a big cattle operation or cropping, whereas garlic, it's quite a labour-intensive small crop. And so it definitely ticked the boxes just for this particular property. So they settled on farming organic garlic, which set the novices on a self-directed journey of discovery. Neither of us had any background in farming or any real connection to farming. So no friends or family, absolutely no guidance. We joined the Facebook groups. We actually found other growers who were quite close to us and we reached out to them and said, hey, do you mind if we just pop on over for a cup of tea and see what you're doing and how you do it? Made some good connections that way. We joined the industry groups, went along to conferences, joined the Young Farmers Business Resilience Program and then the local land services. So they put out a lot of content. They also do a lot of courses. What else do we do? Uh, we, we did a bit of research with the DPI benchmarks and we got a coach and that was like an absolute game changer for us. Our coach is really just 
incredible. It's so motivating to have someone that you can talk to and just get information from. Yeah, it's just that connection with someone who is in the same industry and knows what you're doing and understands a little bit about what you're struggling with at the time. That was especially important for us because, you know, we didn't have the friend or family network. So all of our friends and family think we're quite crazy that we've moved out in the middle of nowhere to a farm. So building a network of people who understood what we were doing, what we're going through was really important. So yeah, we got that through the business program for sure. Year one, we started with like a a 200 square meter patch. Year two, we went to half a hectare and then we're now in year three and we're at one hectare. The goal is to get to a two hectare garlic crop. And then once we absolutely master that, then yeah, we'll just keep expanding. So the first two years is really spent trialing different varieties growing up our seed stock and then testing those sales channels. It turned out that it was quite easy to sell garlic on Facebook, literally through the Facebook groups and on Facebook marketplace, even on Gumtree, as weird as that is, there's a market for people who want, you know, fresh organic produce. Initially, we were selling entirely to locals who we found through the Facebook marketing groups. Yeah, and that was taking up a lot of time and driving around and dropping off individual orders also had our um our website and there were a few people in sydney and and canberra that would see the website and uh, honestly just random people and they would give us a call or, or you know contact trees through email and just yeah we obviously had a good product so they were loving it but the aim was always to get to the wholesalers so that's what we spent the last year really focusing on and we've now locked in a wholesaler who will take literally the whole crop what we did to get to finding a wholesaler was essentially put together our business plan or at least a summary of our business plan and what we were aiming for and literally sent that out to every wholesaler and then, you know, got our website in line with what we're about and what we're doing and got our social media in line also um, and whacked that into the email and that's that's what got us to where we are. So now we've got, yeah, one one good wholesaler locked in uh, who will take our crop and and plenty more, but basically as much as we can grow, they will take. The wholesaler is only part of the equation. Getting the garlic crop ready to sell takes forward planning, organisational skills and a team of farmhands. At the moment, we are producing around six to eight tonnes of garlic a year. It's six months of labour where we really need people here. We're obviously on the farm as much as we can be. Uh, we spend a lot of weekends after hours, especially during summer when the, the days are a bit longer. We get out there and we will do the prep work that we need to do uh, during the week. And then on weekends, we've got some local staff that Therese found through an ad through our social media. And then we get them in here. We've got you know between three and four people plus our machinery alongside that. And harvest garlic, what is it, November through to... December, I guess, get it into a, into a point where we can cure it. And then we're almost immediately starting to work on planting again, which is, again, labour-intensive. We do have some machinery that helps us, but a lot of the planting itself and the, and the harvest is physically pulled out by hand. Almost all of our labour is between November and March, and that's it. And then the rest of the time, it's, you know, it's like caretaker mode where we just sort of pull out weeds and cut scapes, and then that's about it at the moment. 
we both work full time off farm and we spend every other living moment basically working on business plans and and getting out there and and physically farming this garlic so we essentially we our business coach has been able to help us to get to a point where we can both work and do the farm no, you can have it all she tells us you can have it all <laughs> Therese and Liam have been running Willowgate Farm for the last three years. And in that time, they've learnt that having an off-farm income is really important. Liam works in construction management in Canberra and works one day at home, which is essential to help run the farm. For Therese, her work's around the corner at a local mine. And she says at the moment, they still need one of them to have an off-farm income, at least until they feel a bit more comfortable with what they're doing. We definitely had concerns about finding work rurally, but I suppose that's why when we were looking at property, we decided we wanted to be within two hours of Sydney so that if we couldn't find work, that's fine. We'll go back and get work in Sydney. So that was our safety net. And then it turned out that Canberra was close by and there's heaps of work there. And then I guess a little bit of luck, I ended up getting a pretty good enviro job just around the corner. Yeah, finding work was a priority when we first moved here because it, we knew it was going to take a few years to establish whatever business we wanted to establish. So I started looking at work in Canberra. Now, that, that's a, an hour and 20 minutes from the house to the office. can be tiring, can be grueling in, in winter when you leave at night and you get back at night. So that's about it. <laughs> it's doable. I mean, the thing is, when we were in Sydney, we were sitting in traffic for an hour to and from work Anyway, right? So, it, I mean, it is a lot. There's no denying that driving to Canberra, but it's definitely a more enjoyable drive than sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic. It's definitely a challenge managing a full-time job and the farm, but it's something that our business coach has really, really helped us with. And it's so much to do with time management and working out what your tasks are, categorizing them, delegating them, coming up with a legitimate action plan and building into that plan some downtime. We basically have the whole year planned out, including the weeks that we have off. And I suppose we do a pretty good job at incorporating friends and family, even, you know, into the farming parts of that as well. So, you know, the, they've been involved in some of the harvest, some of the planting, and just knowing that, yep, we have to get a lot of work done on our weekends and back it up maybe with like a barbecue or a party to, you know, keep everyone happy, but it's doable. Both of our works give us the flexibility of having one work from home day And so that allows us to have that one day of the week where we can have staff or contractors here and also just get into the right mind frame before the weekend because essentially weekends are farm work for us. That's our life, that's our world, but we, you know, that's what we choose. In our third year, we are still probably introducing more of our own funds into the business than what we're pulling out. A lot of that has to do with, Firstly, establishing our seed and being able to reproduce that every year and, and be able to expand every year to the point where we get to the two, eight, two hectares. And then the initial 
investment with machinery and and you know everything that we've put into it from the beginning of our venture i guess at the moment we, we're still still investing every year in in you know tens and tens of thousands of dollars of of equipment so do we make a profit not yet but we're establishing that bedrock of you know equipment and seed so that by year four and five which is what our plan was we should be able to turn over a profit and eventually um we're hoping that we can sustain our own existence here i guess with garlic over the past three years everything that we have been producing almost everything we've held on to a seed stock so however much seed we put in we get about six to eight times the amount back when we harvest and because we've been aiming to get to the two hectare mark that needs that requires a lot of seed so we've actually been holding on to our seed and not selling it and we've been forcing ourselves to sell seed purely to exercise those sale channels and so that that is why we haven't yet turned over a great profit because we've been holding on to it but in terms of what our yield is it's looking fantastic and this year will be our first profitable year for us to be able to live here without having to rely on off farm income um, we'd need to be nailing two hectares of garlic production per year and by nailing I mean you know above 90 percent success above 95 percent success on every single bulb that's in that that's in that two hectares I guess and if we could do that and sell it at the rate that we expect to sell it at then we'll both be here full-time and yeah. yeah, two two hectares is the goal. But I would say that the goal has changed a little bit in that initially the goal was all about like just totally support ourselves on the farm and not work. But now that we've learnt that we can actually manage our time well, we can actually work full time and run the farm and it turns out that it's actually a really good thing to aim for a bit of off-farm income as well and not necessarily full-time. Like it would be great to have a bit, <laughs> a little bit more time off, but definitely now I'm not afraid of that off-farm income. I think it's a really nice part of the whole equation. So it's off-farm jobs for a while for Therese and Liam. And something else the pair decided to do when they bought their farm was to have it certified organic. Going down the certified organic path made a lot of sense for us given the fact that we have such a small parcel of land in the world of farming and that we plan on using this tiny little patch over and over and over. So, you know, anything that we can do to help that last as long as possible, we will do. We were already growing in line with organics. It also turned out that the property hadn't been farmed in many years and so it wasn't too hard for us to certify we ended up engaging a consultant who guided us on that journey. It has cost a little bit to get that certification. Most of the cost associated with growing certified organic comes with the huge increase in cost of allowable inputs. So you can't just go down to the rural shop and buy your normal fertilizers you need. But the return is twofold with the certification and being being the size that we are, we're always going to be a high labor operation because we're not going to invest in the big, big equipment that does absolutely everything for us. So that all makes sense for us. If you're, you're getting twice, twice the return that you would have without and the input is not twice as much. It is, you know, more. So it definitely costs more to grow organically. It's definitely a lot 
harder. But yes, it ends up being more profitable for us and definitely a good business decision as well as looking after the land so we can keep growing and growing. So the weed control is the biggest, biggest part of it because garlic will not bulb, won't form a bulb if there's grass competition. It's really sensitive. It is very hard to achieve great weed control without the use of sprays. It would be so easy to just go out and spray a paddock, plant your garlic, and then do your upkeep with with sprays. But for us, it's all about using good mulch and then literally getting out there and pulling every blade of grass that comes up. And so that's a huge challenge. But the other part of it is that you really want to get the garlic as healthy as possible so that you're preventing any diseases and any problems because, again, you can't treat diseases. So really it's about getting the soil and the plant as healthy as possible and just doing, I suppose, a lot of testing. So we do a lot of soil testing. We do a lot of leaf tissue testing to have a look at, you know, what are the nutrients in the plant and if they're slightly off, we can correct them naturally, which is another challenge, before, you know, the plant becomes susceptible to many, you know, different diseases. There isn't anything synthetic going into the soil. You know, we're using manure as, 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 a, as a big part of our fertilising. We're using, you know, organic blood and bone. Last year's crop uh, was, was actually doing quite well when we looked at it. And then the amount of rain that we got from would it have been October? October through to December not only stopped us from being able to use any of our machinery uh, for harvest, but also the conditions were so bad we couldn't actually cure the garlic. So we found, I reckon we lost, it would have been close to 25, 30% of the crop was was just lost due to the, the rain, due to the fact that we couldn't pull it out of the ground and due to the fact that we couldn't cure it. In saying that though, we're more prepared for this year. I'm fully prepared for that to happen again. We've got a plan for if it does. And so, yeah, it's gonna be a challenge if we get the rain again, but we're gonna do better than we did last year. The crop's looking really good this year. With three years under their belt, Therese and Liam have learned so much, sometimes the hard way. But every lesson has improved their business and they're more than willing to share what's been most important. Finding the right people to ask for advice. So what I mean by that is not falling into the habit of just asking friends and family for advice because you end up talking to people who maybe, in our case, don't have any experience in farming. And sometimes those people can get into the habit of just pointing out the things that are wrong and it's not very useful or helpful. Um, So I think for us was learning more than asking people, you know, what advice do you have for me, is asking people what their story is, you know. So finding people who you're genuinely interested in what they've done and asking them what they've done and what their story is rather than just asking for advice. I am so grateful and and I am so proud of us for taking a leap into the unknown and doing something that did seem quite crazy I probably think about it every day when I walk outside and look out and see something that we created. You know, we made the decision to be here. It's something that we're working on and I love it. We spend all our time on farm and, you know, sometimes, you know, we get home. We leave before 
the sun comes up and get home afterwards. And then on the weekends, we actually get to see the place. So it's almost like we're on holidays on weekends anyway. And the fact that we take time off our jobs to do this, I think says a lot about how much we love it and how grateful we are. From where we were living in Sydney and how, how we sort of lived our lives, coming out here and being able to walk outside and, you know, go for a 300-meter walk and know that we're seeing growth and we're seeing animals and we're seeing garlic and whatever we see there is, you know, something that we're the stewards, like we're the stewards of. We sort of take care of this place and I hope we're doing a good job, but it, it really is rewarding to go out there and see what we've achieved and what we're looking at and knowing that the place is better with us here. You know, like when we were living in Sydney and I was working a full-time job there, I had to put time aside to exercise and to meditate, to keep my stress levels healthy enough just to be able to function normally in this full-time job. Now, I feel like those things are just a normal part of life. So, you know, you get your exercise, you get outside, you get your sunlight and the meditation aspect, I don't make any time to specifically meditate now because I am connected to what's around me. You know, I walk outside and I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening for sounds. I'm feeling what's going on with the wind. I can tell you what the moon's doing right now because all of these things are important and it has totally changed our quality of life, I would say. Thanks to Therese and Liam Thomas from Willowgate Farm for having a chat with me for this episode. All episodes of Propagate Season 4 are out now. Find them wherever you get your podcasts. And on the next episode of Propagate... We used to have 80 plus, but we've been making salami. (laughs) So our numbers are gradually decreasing, but we're breeding more to replace them. Propagate is a podcast from the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries and an initiative by the Young Farmer Business Programme.